faith. Do you have faith? Do you believe? Praise God. Faith. Faith is an action word. Can you say amen? amen. Faith, when we, know, uh, when we know Jesus and we know God and we know that he loves us, we get on with life and, and uh, you know, we have the, the hope of eternal life. But that's in the future. We have that hope now, but that eternal life's in the future. And I don't know about you, but I need God every moment, every day. Because without God, without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus, there's, there's no hope. There's, you know, praise God. God is good. Can you say amen? We want to look at an interesting story in Matthew chapter 9. This story is only found in Matthew's gospel. And it's about two blind guys, two blind men who yell at the top of their lungs. They want something from Jesus. How many need something from Jesus? I need Jesus. I need God to touch me. I want God to use me to win souls. I want to be a blessing wherever I go. I want people to be able to see what a Christian is like. Over in China, they have surveillance everywhere. It's almost like everybody remember that that uh, book, uh, 1984, by George Orwell, Big Brother's Watching. Well, they got Big Brother watching everybody and everything in China. So one of the Christian, one of the pastors over there, he, he advised his congregation, well, you know, <clears throat> if they're watching you, then you should act like Jesus, you know, and, and be a real Christian all the time so that they can see what real Christians are and that Christianity is not harmful. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus was uh, described as uh, harmless. He tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Praise God. So God's watching. And I want people to be able to see in me what a Christian is really like. Can you say amen? I hope that's your aim in life also. So in chapter 9, it begins... As Jesus passed on from there, where was he? He, uh, you have to back up into chapter 8. He came down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. He heals a leper. And uh, Jesus enters Capernaum. And a centurion comes and says, My servant is uh, lying at home paralyzed. Come and heal him. Jesus says, uh, uh, okay, I'll come and heal him. The centurion says, You're not, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just speak a word and he'll be healed. And Jesus marveled. He says, I've never seen such great faith, not even in Israel. And then uh, he goes into Peter's house. And uh, Peter's mother-in-law, Peter had a mother-in-law because he had a wife. <laughs> Praise God. His mother-in-law is sick, and Jesus comes, touches her hand, and she's healed. She had a fever. She gets up and serves them. And then uh, they're going to go. Uh, he commands in verse 18, Jesus gave a command to depart to the other side. They're um, on the uh, Sea of Galilee and uh, gets in a boat, and uh, there's a big storm, and uh, he gets up and tells them, tells the wind to calm down, and they look at the Jesus, 
And uh, they say, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? And then he gets to the, uh, the Gergesenes or the Gadarenes, and there's a demonic-possessed man, two of them in this story. Uh, Jesus uh, gets rid of them, tells them, go into the pigs, and the pigs run down the, the uh, slope, and they drown in the ocean and, or the Sea of Galilee there, and the people, uh, they're upset. Our pigs are gone. Never mind these two crazy people that were so fierce, the Bible says, that no one could pass by, are healed and in their right minds, and now people can go by there and not worry about these lunatics coming out and assaulting them. That's, that's, not, that's not good enough for them. Just, our pigs are gone. They're not supposed to have pigs in the first place. <laughs> Praise God. So this is the background, and they tell him, you know what, Jesus, we don't want you here. And so Jesus, instead of calling down fire on them and, and judging them right then and there, says, fine. Isn't that how Jesus is? If people don't want Jesus, he says, fine. So we are ter- trying to witness and tell somebody about Jesus and they don't want it. Fine. It's no skin off my back, as they say. It's your loss if you don't want Jesus. But Jesus doesn't impose himself. So he gets in the boat, comes back to the other side, and in verse 1 it says he came to his own city. His own city was, wrote it down here somewhere, Capernaum, his headquarters. At this time, or at this point in time in his ministry, the city of Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee was the headquarters of his ministry, so to speak. He gets, they get back there, and they bring a paralyzed guy on a bed. His friends bring him. And Jesus tells the paralyzed guy, um, your sins are forgiven. And the, the scribes are there, and inside the scribes are saying, this man's committing blasphemy because he's acting like God. And so Jesus knows their thoughts. How many know that Jesus knows our thoughts? It's kind of a scary thing if you're not thinking of the right things. Can you say amen? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he says, how come you guys are thinking evil in your thoughts? in your hearts, which is easier, say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk and go home. And just to prove that I know what I'm doing and who I am, Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, and go home. So the guy obeys. I mean, Pastor Wayne preached about obedience last week. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What if the guy said, no, I don't want to? (laughs) Why would he do that? He wouldn't do that. He says, Man, this is great. I'm healed. Picks up his bed, goes home, and now he's a blessing instead of a burden. Hallelujah. And then next in verse 9, Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector, and then John's disciples uh, come and complain, you know, how come uh, we're fasting and Jesus, your disciples aren't? And Jesus tells them, don't worry about it. And while he's speaking about this and answering their question, a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, and it's not named in Matthew's gospel, but the other gospels name him, says, my daughter has just died. And this man had heard about Jesus. As far as I know, nobody had been raised from the dead at that time yet. There's some resurrections from the dead in the Old Testament, one in particular that I know of, uh, where a man was being taken, his body was being taken to get buried, and the Philistines come, and they 
hastily toss his body in the tomb where Elisha's bones are, and the guy comes back to life. There's also the story of the dry bones that come back to life. So this this ruler of the Pharisees, or the, the synagogue, Jairus, first thing it says is he worshiped Jesus. Then he asks and makes a request. My daughter has just died. Death is such a weird thing. We're not supposed to be dying. We're supposed to live forever. But because of Adam, death entered into the world. And he has such confidence in Jesus, he says, but please just come and lay your hand on her and she'll come back to life. So Jesus gets up, okay, sure. And his disciples come with him. And uh, on the way, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, it's amazing she's still alive. And one of the, I believe it's in Mark's gospel, it says she's been such bad shape that she spent all of her money and she's not better and she's even worse. And she's been saying in her heart, and she has faith, she's been saying in her heart, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. She kept, and she was saying this, and uh, lo and behold, it worked. And if you know the rest of the story, uh, she's kind of hiding back, and Jesus says, who touched me? And of course, you know, the disciples say, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? But Jesus said, I felt virtue, or I felt power go out from me. Glory to God. I would love to be able to feel God's power all the time, but it would probably destroy us if it was like that. Because <laughs> God's powerful. Can you say amen? Can you imagine the energy or the, the strength of that? She touched just the hem of his garment. And <laughs> She's immediately, the Bible says, she feels that the fountain and she experiences that she's healed instantly and completely. And uh, so Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And she was made well from that hour. And then they continue on the journey to the Jairus' house and there's a noisy crowd there. Oh, they're making all kinds of noise. They're professional mourners. And Jesus says, go on out, everybody out, out, out. She's just asleep. And they start making fun of Jesus. Anybody ever tell somebody about Jesus and they start making fun? Oh, Jesus, huh? <laughs> this is the mindset of people that are not saved. Ah, Jesus, whatever. But Jesus says, everybody out. And they leave. And then Jesus touches this little girl. 12 years old, the woman with the issue of blood had had that thing going on for 12 years. I think that's just an amazing coincidence. And he touches her and she comes back to life. What a blessing. It's probably their only daughter. What a tragedy it was that their only daughter, the little girl, is dead. And Jesus comes and touches her and she comes back to life. And so all of this has happened. And in verse 26, the report of this went out into all that land. Everybody heard. They got on their cell phone. They got on Facebook. My daughter's come back to life. Jesus touched her. And she's alive again. Praise God. And so Jesus is departing from there. And the pointer's not working. Anyway. No, go back. Jesus passed on from there. So he's leaving Jairus' house, and he's heading back to where he's staying. And as he passed on from there, two blind men followed him. How did these guys know? 
Somebody must have told them. And they followed him. How'd they follow him? They're blind. They can't see. How did they follow Jesus? I can just, just use your imagination for a minute. They probably had some sticks or something. Maybe they had someone helping them. Come on, come on. Jesus is coming. Jesus has gone that way. Come on, come on. I'll help you. Glory to God. I was reading a, a commentary the other day about helpers. And there's a unique word in the Greek New Testament about helpers. And that word is huperatasos uh, or something like that. And it's the guys in the galley, down in the slave galley ship. Those guys were chained there for the rest of their life because they're criminals and that was their punishment. <laughs> That's your life sentence down there on the bottom of the ship, rowing the oar with the guys next to you chained all together. That's the rest of your life. You're criminal and you're suffering for your own actions. But this picture is a picture of power and strength when people work together. When people help one another. And that's what you and I are here in this church. We're all working together. We're helping to promote the kingdom of God. Somebody, I believe, it doesn't say it. Use your imagination. Somebody's probably helping these two guys. Come on, Jesus went that way. Come on, come on. And they followed. And the commentator said that uh, this uh, following is to follow in a determined manner, to follow with purpose because they're going to get something. They've heard about Jesus and they believe, well, he raised somebody from the dead, raised the paralytic guy, maybe he'll heal our eyes. And it doesn't say that these guys were born blind as in other stories about Jesus healing blind people. Maybe they got blinded accidentally. Who knows? But they're buddies. <laughs> There are two of them, and they're sticking together. And they're crying out, and <laughs> they cried aloud. This is uh, the Greek word kradzo. It means to scream, yell, exclaim, cry out at the top of one's voice, Jesus! They don't know where he is. Jesus! They're yelling for him. Son of David, they call him. Son of David. This is a messianic title. Son of David. So they're understanding that this is the Jewish Messiah that everyone's been waiting for. And maybe, just maybe, in the back of their minds, they're thinking, Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5 says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened. We're blind. Maybe he'll open our eyes. Jesus, have mercy on us. Notice they didn't say have mercy on me. They're together in this. Have mercy on us. They're compassionate towards one another also. Can you say amen? And they're screaming and following after him because they want something from Jesus. So, have mercy on us. And when he entered the house, it's they're following, and it's like Jesus is ignoring them. Those guys are yelling. <clears throat> They're calling my name. Now I'll just go inside. <coughs> it's like, anybody ever pray and it seems like God's ignoring you? That's to me sometimes. God, where are you? What's going on? He's, it seems like he's ignoring them. How rude. <laughs> he just goes in the house. 
And the two blind men, they barge in. Yes, here's the house, guys. They just, Jesus! They can't see him. They just come into the house. It's like, whoa, you guys are rude too. <laughs> One time, <coughs> we were having some problems. Without going into details, um, I thought that the answer to the problem was in someone's apartment where there was a friend of someone that we were looking for, and I just walked in, <coughs> and the occupants got very upset. <laughs> I said, oh, sorry, so I walked out. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. We're having lots of trouble. We're looking for this. And, uh, I'm, and forgive me for just barging in like that. But these guys just go right in somehow. Where's the wall? Jesus, where are you? And they come in the house. And Jesus said to them, now think about this for a second. Why did he not stop right away? Oh. Someone's calling me. These guys are blind. Oh, I thought I'll go heal them. Why didn't he stop right away? One commentator, Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary, they said that Jesus didn't stop because he was trying to get their faith to increase. The Bible says, excuse me, that through faith and patience we inherit the promises. He who cured diseases so easily, so effectively, and likewise at such an inexpensive rate of pay, he didn't charge anything, shall have plenty of people knocking at his door, according to Matthew Henry's. These guys were blind, but they knew, and they followed after. And so Jesus tests their faith. He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? So they're thinking, <clears throat> well... Uh, maybe. No. They answer right away. Yes, Lord. They call him Lord. They believe that he's able to open their eyes. Because the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 35, the eyes of the blind will be open. <clears throat> now think about this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. Paul writes, and this is way after particular time that we're talking about where this episode has taken place, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. These guys wanted to know the power of God to open their blind eyes. In the natural realm, they were blind, but somehow, supernaturally, in the eyes of their understanding, they knew, and their eyes supernaturally or spiritually were open. And as a result, when they tell Jesus, we believe you can do that, the eyes of their understanding was enlightened, but then the supernatural took place and entered the natural realm, and their eyes were physically opened. 
Anybody have eye problems? I know some of us wear glasses. When I was about 15 years old, uh, we were throwing, uh, there was a construction site down the street from my parents' house, and we were throwing lumps of dirt at each other. And as I bent down to pick one up, pow, right in the eyeball. Oh, oh, man, that hurt. They took me to the hospital. The cornea was scratched, but the inside of my eye was broken. There was a rupture on the inside of my eye on the retina. As a result, as a result, excuse me, I had to have surgery. I had some holes in the top of the retina. And now I have a scar inside my eyeball, and I can't see this much. Everything else I can see just fine. I'd love to get that healed, be able to see 100%. Because of that scar, I miss the nail a lot. <laughs> I'd love to get it healed so I wouldn't hit my thumb so much. Praise God. But these guys... They come to Jesus, and Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Many years ago, I remember working with an old carpenter, and he limped. I said, what's wrong with your foot? Oh, I got a steel plate in there. Would you like me to pray for it? Maybe God will heal it. He looked at me like I was crazy. Okay, keep your hurt foot, you know, whatever. I believed God could heal it, but he didn't, so he lost out. Hallelujah. Do you believe? Have mercy on us. But Jesus was testing their faith, testing their boldness and their confidence. Psalm 146 verse 8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. So these Jewish guys, they, no doubt they've heard these scriptures in Isaiah 35, 5, which we mentioned before. Isaiah 29, 18 also says, The blind will see. Faith is an action word, but faith also speaks. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 quotes Psalm 116, verse 10, and says, um, it says uh, in Psalm 116, verse 10, I believed and therefore I spoke. So 2 Corinthians 4, 13, Paul quotes this. Since we have the spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. So, Jesus asked them, do you believe? They spoke, yes, Lord, we believe. Glory to God. So the next thing that happens, he touched their eyes. Glory to God. They got a touch from God. Everybody, I hope in your lifetime, sometime or another, maybe more than once or twice, you'll feel a touch from God. You'll know when God touches you, and you'll feel a touch of God. And I hope to God that everyone that believes in Jesus, one day before they die, they'll have an experience of a genuine, powerful touch of God. I'll pray that that happens to every soul. One day we were out, uh, we went to go get pizza at uh, um, Little Caesars, and there's a, a, a group of young homeless people there. And uh, so we start talking to them about Jesus. And this one young man, I said, can I pray for you? And he says, yeah. I said, okay, I'm going to put my hands on your shoulders, okay? Sure, fine. So I prayed for him, and I felt something. I said, did you feel that? He said, yeah. I said, that was the touch of God. God loves you. He wants to adopt you as one of his sons. He wants to be a father to you. He says, oh, I don't know whatever happened to them. But praise God. He felt the touch from God. But we don't base our faith 
on, on you know, all of that, but I pray that that would happen to every believer, that they would feel physically a touch from God. There's a, um, a, a story in one of the other Gospels where the Bible says that Jesus was there and the power of God was there to heal. And, and he heals somebody. Praise God. So Jesus tells them, according to your faith, you believe? Okay. Have mercy on us. Open our eyes. And Jesus touched their eyes according to you. Now, when I thought about this, I thought, well, wait a minute. There's two guys. They have two eyes each. So that would be four. But Jesus only has two hands. He must have put one hand on each of the guys. Otherwise, he'd have to, you know, do like the <laughs> priest too, just and he touched their eyes, and their eyes were opened. Praise God. According to your faith. Matthew Henry says about this, listen, no matter how strong or weak your faith is, Christ knows your faith. The power you believe in shall be exerted for you. By by, by asking them if they believed, Jesus raised their expectations, deepened their faith, and prepared them to receive it. And then in verse 30, and their eyes were opened. Glory to God. What an amazing thing to think about. If you were blind, you can't see the thing, and all of a sudden your eyes are open, and you can see again. Eyes were open. And they could see again. And Jesus sternly warned them. Why would Jesus sternly warn them? See that no one knows about it. How can you not tell somebody what God has done for you? Can you imagine, you know, you get saved and, and God speaks to you and says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Why not? But this is the greatest thing that's happened to me since sliced bread. You know, we're better than that. These guys' eyes were open, their sight they received. And Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district, all of Galilee. This Jesus touched me. It's an interesting thing that I noticed that in Matthew uh, later on, uh, Jesus goes back there. He's gone uh, to some other places and he comes back. And the Bible says people are begging him just to touch the hem of his garment. And I thought, how did they know that? Probably because the lady who touched the hem of his garment and got healed told everybody that she knew. I just touched the hem of his garment. So other people come and say, oh, let us just do that. They begged Jesus, just let us touch the hem of your garment. And as many as touched it were healed completely and totally. Hallelujah. But why? Would Jesus tell him, don't tell anybody? In Mark chapter 1, verse 45, I mean, right out of the book, right out of the, the bat, or whatever you call it, right out of the, the launching pad, Mark just goes into everything. You know, but forget all the history. This is all the stuff Jesus did. In Mark chapter 1, verse 45, Jesus healed a leper, and the leper was so gr grateful that he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter and this is why Jesus told them not to tell anybody, insomuch that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. And Luke 
chapter 5, verse 16 adds that Jesus withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. It kind of hindered by, by telling everybody and spreading it around. It, it almost hindered what Jesus was trying to do. That's why he told them, don't tell nobody. Praise God. So what he did is, verse, whoops. I forgot to add verse 35 and 36. Sorry. Went out into all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every sickness and disease, for he had compassion on them. Praise God. Jesus went about doing good. The Bible says that in Acts that we know that God was with him because and, and other people testify in the Bible that we know that God was with them because no one can do these things unless God was with them. Praise God. Let's look at another episode of blind eyes being open in Matthew chapter 20. Our next scripture. Uh, can you go to the next scripture, please? Here we are. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 through 34. As they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to be crucified. He had already told the disciples several times, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified. And they obviously don't get it. But anyways, so on the way, they're going out of, Jeru out of Jericho and, excuse me, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, here they are sitting on the side of the road. Uh, we don't have too many um, genuine beggars in this country like they do in other countries. When I was in the Fiji Islands, I remember seeing uh, 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 half the population are Indians and Hindus from India. And I remember in one little village we drove through, there's a woman sitting there, and she had her head down and just had her hand out like this, begging, not making any eye contact with anybody. So, uh, get the picture of these two guys sitting there. They're begging. Anybody ever see the video of, uh, you know, if you say things in a different way, it makes a big difference. There's a blind guy sitting there. He's got a sign, uh, blind, please help. Lady stops by, picks up his sign and changes it. And uh, he feels her shoes, knows who it is. Um, she leaves, and all of a sudden, people start putting money in his uh, coin thing. So, wow. She comes back. And he feels her shoes. She stops. He says, what did you do to my sign? She says, I changed the words. Instead of blind, please help, she wrote on there, it's a beautiful day and I can't see it. And, and, and it changed people's attitudes. Anyway, so these guys, they hear that. That's, what's all that noise? I mean, a great multitude is like marching by. And they say, wow, what's going on? And they tell him, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And they have heard about because the fame of Jesus has spread around. They've heard about Jesus. 
And they start yelling, Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David, the top of their lungs. And the multitude, in verse 30, warned, warned them, Shh, guys, quiet down, you're making a scene. Heck with you, we're blind, we don't care. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Have mercy on us. So this time Jesus stops and says, bring those guys over here. What do you want? Have mercy on us, son of David. Notice again, they say, forget about him, have mercy on me. They say, have mercy on us. They're in this together. The crowd rebuked them. Tell them to be quiet. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Those people are rude too. <laughs> you have rude people all over the place. The crowd rebuked them. And they cried out louder. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. What do you want me to do? They said, let our eyes be open. And apparently these two guys used to be able to see because they recovered their sight and followed him. These guys used to be able to see, and they wanted to be able to see again. Think about this. Anybody, um, do you know how old Mr. Braille was when he passed away? He invented the Braille um, system of the alphabet for blind people. He was blinded when he was a young boy, I'd be that three years old, went to school, and he created the blind people's uh, Braille, it, uh, named after him. <clears throat> he was only 49 years old. He died of tuberculosis. But before he died, he got together with a blind machinist, and they created uh, a, a, some type of device. They're both blind, and they create this thing. <laughs> it's just amazing. These guys are blind, but back then, they didn't have schools to send you to. They didn't have the Braille method of, of uh, writing and communicating. They were a burden to society. There was no welfare or nothing back then. They, they were beggars, and they followed. One time I was in the bus depot in Los Angeles, and this guy comes up and starts telling me his dad's story and uh, wanted some money. I said, I don't have any extra money. So I go and I get in line for the bus, waiting for the bus, and he comes over to me again. I looked at him, I said, don't you just remember a few minutes ago I told you he followed me. These guys followed Jesus too. <laughs> Praise God, because they wanted something, and they got it. Interesting thing is, in the other Gospels, in Mark's Gospel, it names this there's only one blind man here in Mark's gospel, which shows you that Mark and Matthew did not collaborate and say, hey, let's write the uh, gospels, you know, together. They wrote them separately. And so you have different perspectives of the same story. They name him as blind Bartimaeus. Praise God. And there's only one, but same deal. Jesus opens his blind eyes. Hallelujah. And he was healed. Glory to God. Let's look at another story where it seems like Jesus ignores somebody again. Jesus went away in Matthew chapter 15. We're backing up a little. And withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. This was a Gentile area up on the Mediterranean coast unto the north. And Jesus goes up there and he withdrew. And what it's literally saying is that 
He went to hide out. He went to get refreshed, I believe. He didn't go there on a mission trip. He didn't go there to reach out to people. He went there to go spend some time, kind of maybe a vacation. And uh, he goes up there, <clears throat> and a Canaanite woman from that region came and said, have mercy on me, my daughter. Doesn't say how old the daughter is. Just says that the, in the Matthew's Gospel, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But notice, she calls him son of David. Oh, Lord. And Jesus uh, apparently has left, and he's on his way because it says... He did not answer a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. Here, she's probably yelling at the top of her lungs, too, like the blind guys. Help me. She calls him Lord. She understands and knows who, she, who he is. And I read one commentary. The disciples are saying, Jesus, why don't you give her what she wants so we can get rid of her? This is embarrassing. She's yelling at us. But Jesus keeps on going kind of ignores her again. And he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. And this is where the, the idea comes that he hadn't been there on a mission trip and uh, this lady is not of the house of Israel. But she came and worshipped him. She worshipped him. One commentator says she fell at his feet. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, you know, <clears throat> came and knelt before him. And he says to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she says, what? You're calling me a dog? Ha! Why, well, I'm insulted. Not at all. She says, that's true. But he gives her some hope here by saying, it's not right. Because he could have just ended it there by saying, I was not sent to accept to the sheep of the house of Israel. But she comes and worships and says, help me, Lord, help me. And he says, it's not good to take the children's bread, throw it to the little dogs, the puppies. Dogs fended for themselves back then. When I was, <laughs> when I was in Tahiti, dogs fended for themselves. They got out of the garbage dump. They sat in the water up to here and tried to catch fish. The... Um, they eat dogs in Tahiti on special occasions. They eat young dogs. Oh, because the meat's nice and tender. This truck came in to the park where we were staying, and uh, the French-Canadian uh, uh, guide, Pierre the Pirate, tells us, try that, that's dog. I said, mm, no thanks. <laughs> but this guy, he cooks for Marlon Brando when Marlon Brando's here. So, that's okay. Oh, the taste, just smell it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no thanks. And Jesus says, he gives her a little bit of hope. It's not right to take the food and give it to little dogs. And she says, ha ha, now I got it. Yes, but even the dogs, they get the crumbs that fall off. the. And I'm willing to get a crumb because my daughter is so, so troubled. My daughter is so messed up. My daughter, oh God, have mercy on her. Have mercy on me and my daughter. 
just give me a crumb. And Jesus, in verse 28, He says, great is your faith. This is only the second person in the whole New Testament that Jesus says your faith is great. The first was the centurion who said, Jesus, just say the word. This woman, she's not even a part of the household of God. And she, Jesus tells her, great is your faith. I'll just take a crumb, God, and it'll be enough. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Then in verse 29, it's not up there. Jesus departed from there, went around the Sea of Galilee, went up a mountain. Great multitudes came to him, having them the lame, blind, mute, crippled, many others. And when they laid them down at Jesus' feet, he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw this, and they glorified the God of Israel. Praise God. The whole purpose of life, the whole point of all of this is to glorify the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus uh, uh, kind of uh, rebukes the, uh, the people who came and said, you know, you guys don't follow the rules. You're not fasting. You're eating. You're going on the Sabbath and eating grain. Uh, you're not washing your hands properly. And Jesus says, you know what? All that doesn't matter. I would have mercy and not sacrifice. And you guys are going to be uh, sorry because uh, uh, at the end of time, many will come from the east and the west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. But you guys might be cast out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth glory to God the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of the living not of the dead has got power more than enough for any problem that you and I will face it's up to us to seek after it to pray to speak that we believe God's going to do some, some mighty things in our midst. This church may be small, but we're part of uh, something that's so much bigger than we can even imagine. And it's all for the glory of God.